Hello, everyone, and welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. So I haven't made an episode in quite a while. Um, so I thought I'd go ahead and chuck one in, also tell you kind of what's going on. I've actually been working quite a bit, um, trying to get things down. Uh, there's been a lot going on in my family. My dog's been growing. My family's been growing. And on top of that, things in the news and what's been going on have been growing drastically. Uh, the most... I'd say the one that really is prevalent in my mind that happened, apart from um, having a debate with my, I guess, uncle-in-law regarding the prosperity gospel, which went about as well as baptizing a very, very, very angry um, mountain lion. Mind you, when I had this conversation with this guy about um, about the prosperity gospel, who Jesus is, basically calls me an outright dummy. Um, you know, I don't tolerate people in debates calling each other stupid and whatnot. I try to avoid doing that myself, though I am I am guilty of it. Um, I usually try to make some of share conversation, share ideas and whatnot and everything. And things get rather heated in our conversations, but I try to keep it so they're, you know, we're talking. But anywho... So the prosperity gospel uh, that we were, I was looking at because, it, you know, he's a big Joel Osteen fan, huge Joel Osteen fan. Joel Osteen's not a Christian. He's a prosperity gospel guy. He teaches that God wants you to be um, healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. Um, basically a world, uh, a world that has no, he doesn't want you to be in any kind of um, go through trials and tribulations. The prosperity gospel teaches a lot that God wants you to have you know, all your health to you, wants you, all, you to be fully equipped with all the money you'll ever need, and wants you to live the life that is best for you, that makes you feel good, right? It's a very seductive message, very seductive indeed. But unfortunately, it's not taught by the, um, the Bible. The Bible doesn't promise us health. It does say, in fact, it doesn't promise us an easy life. In fact, Jesus points out to us in the Bible that he says, do not think, you know, you're going to have in this world, you are going to go through trials and tribulations. Trials and tribulations are not fun. I've been through plenty of them. So go through to this day. We all know trials and tribulations in our lives. We can all go through this. But what I find is that when they have the prosperity gospel, the reason is because these people are fake teachers. They're false prophets, false teachers. And they just want to make millions and millions of dollars. And they do. They make millions and millions of dollars off, off of people who are very suckered, very um, susceptible to that. I call them suckers because you can read a Bible. You can read this book. It's not difficult to do. You can open it up, read it, and pretty much understand what you're looking at. It's so simple that a seven-year-old can understand it, yet so deep and powerful that the best theologians in the world can prowl the depths of the Bible for the rest of their lives and, and get more meaning out of it than they could ever imagine. Be fully, fully filled by the whole, by the word of God and Holy spirit. So when they are talking about, when I had this conversation with my uncle-in-law who it pretty much, I, I, I said not, it was not, a, I try to, I try to keep things with family. Okay. Because when you try to witness the family, I find it's, you have more luck again, baptizing an uh, outrageously angry mountain lion than you do in witnessing the family. I can witness the total strangers, but when I witness the family, it's far more difficult and it causes divisions. When it causes divisions, I kind of look and say, okay, well, we're all supposed to be 
worshiping the same God, believing all believing in Jesus. I saw this one time with a uh, an apologetics ministry. There was a couple of black guys that are going into a McDonald's in this video. A couple of uh, more missionaries come up. And they go, hey guys, you know, we're going to talk. And they start having this conversation about who Jesus, uh, about Jesus, about Joseph Smith and whatnot. And this this uh, Christian man, this uh, black, uh, our, my uh, brother in Christ, um, says to him, you know, we're having this debate over it. He goes, here's what I'm thinking is going on. I'm gonna, and I agree with this notion. So I'm going to quote it to the best of my ability. It appears to, that some of us are actually, we're all supposed to be talking about Jesus Christ. We're all supposed to be, if we're all talking about Christ, we're all should be, we should all be having a great conversation. But it would appear to me that some of us are lying about who they actually believe in. And he was saying this to the Mormons. He says, it, it would appear to me that some of us really believe in Joseph Smith and not really Jesus Christ. And apply that, you can take Joseph Smith out of the equation and say, you know, because maybe they're not Mormon and say, some of us really believe in the Roman Catholic Church and not Jesus Christ. Or some of us really believe in Joel Olstein and not Jesus Christ. Because, and I agree with this notion here where he says, if we're all talking about God, if we're all talking about Jesus, we're all real brothers and sisters. This should be like iron chopping iron. I've had plenty of conversations with people who are, who are actual Christians. And I have great conversations with them when you're iron sharpening iron. Um, Bob Worley, I've said multiple times on the podcast, he and I have conversations and it's iron sharpening iron, and he'll correct me when I'm wrong, and I and I'll bring up questions and whatnot. He's a great guy. Carl Tidecrip the same way. I've talked to people in my church, my, my senior pastor, and it's it's really iron sharpening iron. We may disagree on different things that really are not the fundamental point, like the rapture or tribulation, or about dietary things that are happening. We may not totally agree with each other about like tattoos, for example. I got I got a tattoo. I'm probably gonna get more tattoos. You know. To me, I like tattoos. We may not see eye to eye on tattoos, and that's okay. Or dietary things, or tribulation, rapture, whatever. That's fine. But fundamentally, at the end of the day, we're all agreeing on the fundamental principles of, of, of Christianity, which is about Jesus Christ, who he is, who he claimed to be. We all believe in his divinity. He is man, God. We all believe that he died and physically, bodily rose from the dead. So we all are there together. That's fine. And I think it's good to have healthy discussions, even debates in, inside, as long as you're not dividing the church. The problem is, um, is when discussing with my family, with people, uh, with uh, my uncle and uh, my uncle in law, who I basically said, okay, I'm done talking about this. When, when the only reason I was done talking about it is because when somebody is making an argument, but they're not really making an argument, they're saying like, you know, I told them that the Bible doesn't say that you should be happy. Because the Bible doesn't. Surprisingly enough, I've not come across the Bible teaching you need you God wants you to be happy. I have come across many times where it says about the joy of the Holy Spirit, that you should be filled with joy. Happiness is a drug, right? What makes you happy one second? You can go back to the same thing and won't make you happy again. And I can attest that to everything. But more or less, from the wisest people I've ever known who've lived on this planet longer than I have and experienced all these things, they say happiness is fleeting. Joy, even you'll have a joy, even in the times of hard, hard times, joy is something that it doesn't get you the same high as happiness, but it's far more sustaining. It's like having a fruit versus having candy. Candy will get you really excited. Oh my gosh, amazing, delicious. 
but fruit will sustain you over the long haul. So I basically, when someone doesn't have the argument, but wants to insult instead, I end the conversation because I go, we're not having a conversation. You're insulting and I'm saying that this isn't acceptable. So witnessing the family, extremely difficult. Witnessing the strangers, easy enough. So I wasn't really planning on talking about the prosperity gospel, but that kind of came to my mind. I thought I'd go ahead and talk about it because it's my podcast after all. And if you're listening, you undoubtedly want to hear about it. Here's the other one. We were actually did a couple weeks ago um, at my church. Uh, we had a, a discussion about sex. That's right. Penises, vaginas, boobs, the whole thing. Sex. Now, we weren't talking about what positions we like to have our intercourse in, how you like to have your um, stimulation occur to you. None of those were brought up. In fact, we were talking about masturbation, pornography, societal sexuality, LGBTQ, plus, minus, circuit breaker, whatever the hell they want to call themselves now, and transgenderism. And why is it that everything's been hoodwinked? Let's be honest here. You go to a school board meeting or you see them on Project Veritas, you watch them on YouTube, you see people, they're, they're basically teaching kids about transgender. You, that girls can become boys, boys can become girls, that um, even in college, I think it was a Gallup poll right now that shows that 36% of Democrat uh, women who graduate out of college believe that men can actually get pregnant. We all know this is Horace Blanc. We know that men cannot get pregnant. It is an impossibility for men to get pregnant. But there you go. They've taken God's creation and twisted it to fit their own particular wanting and narrative, which the book of Romans teaches us that they've, that, um, People who, who believe that, you know, they become wise in their own eyes and they, uh, so they get rid of God's truth and they accept a lie or a myth. And then they make that into their own reality. It doesn't change God's law. So we were talking about sex and gender and whatnot and about how in the previous generation of the, uh, during the Great Depression, sex was never talked about. In the baby boomer generation right after World War II, sex was never talked about. You don't talk about those things. Millennial generation, we start talking some about sex, and now we are talking about sex. What is gender? What is all these things? The biggest fail to me, I personally believe, is that we can't engage in these conversations in public because of pronouns, right? The invention from the political left, uh, the Marxist political left, that we need to now have pronouns, and that if you misgender somebody, it's considered great insult. And you can, be, you can be arrested for it for hate speech. TikTok, you can't even put a video out there saying that there's only two genders. Simple truth doesn't exist on TikTok. Social media, you can be flagged or banned because you said there's only man and woman. That's all there is. And that what determines gender is chromosomal based. XX equals a girl. XY equals a boy. And they're like, oh God, no, this can't possibly be. You're a closed-minded, arrogant bigot. We need to shut you down. This is hate speech, whatnot. It's a very fascist worldview. Then unless you agree with our, with our narrative, societal, political narrative, we must shut you down. Again, fascism has come. Fascism has been here for a while, but it's becoming more prevalent. And the scary part is churches are refusing to talk about sex and gender. They're refusing to talk about these things like how nowadays, I believe it's what, like eight-year-olds are now watching pornography? They're in fifth grade, even actually earlier than that. They were talking about penises and vaginas and boobs. 
They're talking about sex. And yet the churches nowadays are too afraid really to talk about that. I made a joke about it on one of my podcasts that said, if you're too afraid to talk about that, don't read the Song of Solomon. You're going to have a heart attack. We shouldn't be afraid to talk about sex and gender, about intimacy. God created sex, just like he created the tree, the fish, or a dog. He created all things around us, just like he has created the stars and the galaxies and the planets and the moons. We should be involved in talking about sex. We should. We should be able to talk about sex to our children. Obviously, I'll leave it up to you to decide when to talk about it, but let me remind, let me put this out there for you really quick. Satan's already talking to your children about sex and confusing about their gender and sexual orientation. He's confusing them. So I would turn around and say, talk to them early on. Early on. They're already hearing about it. I mean, hell, by the time my parents found out and talked to me about sex, I already knew about porn. I already knew about all that stuff. I already learned it in school. My friends knew all about it. They had Playboy magazines, the whole nine yards. I mean, come on. It wasn't like it was a giant mystery. Everyone's like, oh, God, you had that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm the realistic Christian. I look and say, yeah. Playboy magazines. Let's see here. I see people drive around town with uh, stickers on the back of their car saying Pornhub. Come on. It's not like that's a big mystery that Pornhub shows lots of pornographic images. And you go watch oh, m- millions of hours of pornography and all sorts of different styles from straight to gay to you name it, fetishes. It's all out there. Kids are seeing this stuff. It's not like you pretending not to talk about sex is making it so they don't see it. But at the same time, parents, when we engage with our children, you need to make a safe location for them to do it because they don't really necessarily want to talk to you about that because, you know, you're no mom or dad. It's not something you talk about. Make it a safe spot. Let's say that your children has already have already had sex with somebody else. They're little, but they've already engaged in sex. Make it a safe spot for them to come out and say it without you attacking them. Don't make it a place where it's brutalized, where it's like, how dare you? You're grounded. No, make it a place where it's like, okay, so you've already had sex. Yeah, okay, I'm not going to judge you for it. I'm going to tell you not a good thing to do, but don't make it, make it like it's a place where they can be open without being fear of having punishment dealt onto them. I've been in a household where I said something, I got punished for it. They made, and my parents got angry and they would scream and yell at me about something. Do you think it opened up the box for me to come forward and talk to them about the depressing matters of the day? Not at all. In fact, it made me shut down any kind of conversation I've ever had. Like, they'd be privy to a little piece of information, but the rest of it, they're like 99% of the time they're out of the conversation. I would not engage them in any type of conversation like that. And they just thought, oh, well, it's just everything's okay. No, it wasn't. So parents, don't do that to your kids whatsoever. Let's see here. Now jumping kind of into the politics here. Now, I know that everyone probably has heard in one way, shape, form, or kind, maybe haven't, maybe have, about Joe Biden's speech in front of Liberty um, Hall in Pennsylvania. So, uh, for anyone who doesn't know where that is, that is actually the place where the Declaration of Independence was signed and the Constitution of the United States was ratified. Though it was actually technically ratified over in New York City, 
where all the states uh, came together and agreed to it, all of them that had adopted the Constitution. But in essence, he went after MAGA, or Make America Great Again, that's what the acronym stands for, Republicans. He divided the country even further. Now, don't get me wrong, um, Joe Biden, I, I don't have where anyone, including myself, listens to him. I'm having a hard time understanding what the heck he's trying to say, because he can't form a coherent sentence. We all see it. We all know it. He goes on the teleprompter, and he even screws that up. And then, and then if, you, if, you, if you see about that, and then, and then, and then, blah, blah. he made this gigantic speech about how there are good Republicans, but the only good Republicans are the ones I can work with. The rest of them are listed as MAGA supporters. And he basically gaslit the idea. He says, I don't like violence, but we need to stop these people somehow. I really don't like violence, but you know, we really got to stop these people. These are terrorists. These people are a threat to our republic. And that's what he said. It's straight up. They're a threat to our republic. They must be stopped at all costs. But I'm really against violence. In essence, when I came away from Raja, I had, I had a Felicia, my wife, listen to this speech. I said, hey, I got an idea of what it is, but I don't want to share it yet. I want you to go ahead and listen to it. Get back to me on what you think, and we're going to compare notes. And she said, basically, in essence, the same thing I was thinking, which a lot of people were thinking. Biden's declaring war on MAGA Republicans or MAGA conservatives. He didn't unify the country in this speech. He declared war on this all. It was because Biden has been painted by MSNBC and CNN and CBS about he is a great unifier. He was going to fight for the very soul of our nation. Well, if he's fighting for the soul of our nation, he's looking for war. Now, that's not what I'm trying to push out there. I'm not saying I would go to war. I am saying he's being very divisive. I didn't feel inspired to join him. Not in the slightest. He calls us all who don't agree with him white supremacists, neo-Nazis, racists, fascists. This is not a man who's a leader. This is someone who's seeking to divide us even further. I ask to pray for the soul of our nation against these people. Against the, I'm not against the person. I am against the spirit of Satan who is manipulating this, causing division. I pray against it. I pray against the spirit that is causing all this to take place. Because I believe that we can save Joe Biden. We could save people. I understand that there are certain people who have made up their mind. But I don't want to be the person that throws in and says, I condemn them to hell because I have no authority in there. But I do condemn the spirit of this, of this movement in the name of Christ because I believe in peace. I understand that we may have to go to war. I looked at China, for instance, and they have bumped up their military strength over doubled. They are practicing the invasion of Taiwan over and over and over again. They routinely are pushing against American naval military, well, military naval capabilities. The hostility towards us. They're practicing their invasion of Taiwan and the Philippines over and over 
and over, excuse me. I know people say, oh, they've been doing that for years. That's true. They've been doing it for years. They've practiced it so effectively and built their military so strong. And they're like, well, well, their GDP is about to fail. I was listening to Ben Shapiro about this to kind of see his perspective. I listen to all sorts. I've, I, just as a side note, I listened to Joe Rogan when he was interviewing Bernie Sanders. To when he was, uh, when Joe Rogan was interviewing Ben Shapiro. I found both of them to be fascinating. I agreed with a lot of what Bernie said, but I disagreed very strongly with the way he was going to solve the problem. On many of his topics. Ben Shapiro, I agreed with a lot of his perspectives, and I agreed with him on how to solve certain things. I disagree with him about election integrity. But besides the point, what they're pointing out is every time world wars happen is because the GDP of a country begins to fail. And they must commit conquest to solve the problem. We're seeing that with China and Russia right now. Russia must win this war. That's their perspective and that's true. If they are to survive. China, GDP is about to fail. They've overinflated their economy. They need to go to war soon too. I just pray that everything is, that we are strong enough to face against these tyrants. That's really it. But notice this, guys. We do have hope in Christ. We pray for guidance and wisdom. And we pray that our leaders come to know Jesus and his wisdom. That's what I pray for you. So whether it comes down to (laughs) the recap on all this on the short podcast, if it comes down to your family, pray for them. Show them Christ's love. Trust me, I'm lecturing myself as much as I'm talking to you guys. Because I have a hard time with this. When it comes down to our world leaders, pray for them. Even though that can seem rather very difficult to do. And when it comes down to other nations, we should pray. But all at the same time, we should also, with sex in mind, remember taking account that we need to guide our children in the ways of righteousness when it comes down to sex or sexual orientation. So, until next time, we meet again. May God richly bless you all, my dearly beloved.